Welcome to another episode of the Third Round Picks Draft Podcast. With me today is Mike Bibbins, Adam Bibbs, and at Bibbs Corner on Twitter. Uh, you can find his Netflix film work at netflixlife.com. How are you doing, uh, Mike? I'm doing pretty good today. Uh, I actually have tomorrow off, so I'm very excited about that. How are you today? Uh, I'm also have tomorrow off because school is a thing, so that's <laughs> It's a, it's an it's a very important luxury actually. So I maybe. haven't been in school in like thirty years. Um, I, I don't. I haven't uh, had a job where we had King Day off ever. So this is the first for me. Yeah, it's it's awesome for me too because I'm gonna be doing literally all my homework because I've been scouting film all weekend. So it worked out. Yeah, if I didn't, I don't think I'd be prepared for this episode at all because this one's huge. Speaking of huge, we're talking about the Duke Blue Devils, and of course that will include none other than number one, Zion Williamson. So stay tuned for that, but we want to keep y'all on your toes a little bit. So we're going to get into the, what, still number one? They got to be number one, I don't know. We talked about Duke. Duke overall, you gonna you gonna hit me with the the pop quiz off the top. Well, I don't, I'm I'm asking myself and you at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of just how I it's how I roll. Yeah, they're still number one as of the as of Virginia. Okay, right. so we're we're gonna go with it. Number one, number one yep. team in the nation, and they have the number one prospects in the nation too. So, first off, we're gonna start with the guards. So that means Trey Jones, uh, younger brother of Tyus Jones. Bibbs, how you feeling about Trey? So I actually was surprised um, when I watched Duke because obviously everybody talks about the big three. Uh, he jumped off the page for me the first game I watched, which I believe was a Gonzaga game. Uh, he was just, uh, he's a pest on the ball. Um, and if you're going to be a small guard, you have to be a, a really good defender to really give yourself a chance to even get on the floor. And, uh, I mean, he, he has active hands. He moves his feet well. He recovers after uh, getting beat. Um, he doesn't like a freshman guard at all when I watch him. Um, the one thing I will say negative is I would love for his shooting percentages to be better. Um, he only shoots about two threes a game, and he's shooting 28% right now. Uh, and then he shoots less than two free throws a game, and he's shooting 58%. I don't even know how that happens. Well, I think it can really be attributed to, at least on his jumper, his his arc is pretty flat. Right. Like, he doesn't get a lot of lift either. And when you're talking about uh, what six foot one, six foot two, guard, six, six what? Six two. Yeah, six two, six two. According to Texas, uh, not Texas. According to Duke. So who knows whether that's real or not? Hopefully, it's it's a good number. We'll find but out. uh, but yeah, regardless, at that size, when you have a low low jump, low arc, and you're taking long shots, it's not going to provide good results. And then the free throws, I don't think they're that bad. I think it's probably like a Dennis Smith situation level of free throws. That's probably not like ballpark number. But he's taking so few that, right. you know, it just looks like, worse. You get like one a game, you don't get to get into a rhythm shooting though. So that's, yeah, that's, that's negligible in my opinion. Um he, you would expect him though to, especially on the three, to get open looks, because uh, it's not like he's gonna ever have to force anything up. Um, and a lot of times Zion, Cam, and RJ control the ball, 
Uh, so that's that's the only thing I would say about him that makes me hesitant about him as a prospect is I would love to see him shoot shoot a better percentage from deep. Um, his assist to turnover ratio is five point seven. Yeah, he's he's freaking incredible as as like just being like a highly efficient floor manager, general whatever type of situation. Right. So I think at worst, I think he's a, a really good backup point guard prospect right off the bat. And yeah, but I think the defense and the like floor managing ability provides some kind of potential for being like that fifth starter point guard. Right. Maybe even four starter, but like that would be pushing it a little bit. Because I mean, if we're being honest with yourselves, Trey is like just a is like just a like a ten percent, fifteen percent better version of what Tyus it was. And it's and most of that is due to the defense. Because like all the other things you could say like matches up like one for one with how Tyus was, except I don't really know how Tyus was as a shooter coming out. I, I'm pretty sure he was a better shooter. Yeah, so other than that. But at the same time, you do have to consider sample size and all that. Cause exactly. he's not taking that many. Not at all. But um, as a... As a defender, one of my favorite things is how, in addition to being a pest on the ball, he's really active in the passing lanes. He's constantly picking right. off passes. He's constantly looking to get steals. He's like, if you combine like the the quote unquote AI defense we talked about with John Morant, if you combine that with like a pesty type of defense, unfortunately, he's still not. I wouldn't say he's Patrick Beverly though, because Patrick Beverly is just a crazy man. <laughs> I forget what game it was uh, I was watching. Um, oh, man. The team didn't have good point guards, and he just ate them alive. Like, guys, or Texas Tech, I think. Did you watch that game? I did watch Texas Tech and uh, Duke. He was um, respectful to those guys. Well, well, Texas Tech has good guards. They just don't have good dribbling oh, guards. Yeah. <laughs> they're great whenever they're playing next to Culver, but whenever they try to do stuff on their own, it doesn't work so nicely. Like they're falling all over the floor trying to just keep the ball away from him. He's just killed them on the yeah. on the perimeter, made them yeah. work hard. Trey Jones really gave Culver even some trouble. Right, like, he is very much a pest, but I just don't know if he's crazy. And like, <laughs> there's no way to really know if he's crazy. And that, like, unless I think you're a crazy person. I don't think you can be like the absolute elitist on ball point guard defender like as possible at like six foot one. Right. And I would say that I would uh, for him, it's going to matter where he goes. If he goes to a situation where the team just wants him to be basically just an asshole on defense and bring the ball up the floor, run the offense, then, yeah, he could be a starter for a long time. Like and then the shot uh, he can work on that. Well, he'll need to work on that. Um, another thing I can really appreciate, he seems to really be settled in taking these 15-foot pull-up mid-rangers. He's very good at finding the space and taking them. Sometimes it seems like they're a little bit out of rhythm and they end up like missing short or he ends up leaning forward and it just kind of looks ugly. But he makes it work, and I think that's something you can really appreciate is that at least he can still drive in the lane and pull up. So it kind of stretches out the defense, even if he can't take those threes. Right. And I also think he's a uh, pretty creative finisher around the rim. Not always effective, but 
uh, he makes the adjustments and, you know, he, he can get his shot off at different angles when he's inside. So I like that about him as well. He's not completely absent uh, driving despite his size. Yeah, in the lane, he can definitely mix it up with some of his finishes, double clutch, reverse, a little spin around here and there. Um, I wouldn't say he's afraid of contact either, but then again, he's not exposed to it finish after finish like other guards that are having to carry their team. So it'd be interesting to see what he would look like if he had to take a larger load and he was facing these bigs all the time in the lane. Right. Um, in addition to all that, he's very... He's very comfortable on the floor. He never seems lost. And there, there are a few times where you seem to be frustrated with like a particular mistake he makes. And that's what, 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 what you were going back to saying about how he doesn't look like a freshman. Like he just he looks way too comfortable out there. And I just want to see what he looks like when he's out of his comfort zone for once. Right. I agree 100 percent. Like uh, that team right now, I think he's it's easy for him to be comfortable if that makes sense. Like he, I would like to see, like you said, see him in a position where he doesn't have all those weapons to work with. I mean, that, that, the, that role is literally the role he should be in at the NBA level. Just that exact same role. Like not very different. That's what you want is him around a bunch of other superstars. Let the other superstars go to work. And then he can make that occasional basket once in a while to lift up the team whenever for some, whenever something else just isn't working. No, I agree 100%. Um, the difference would be, like, at the next level, the the talent level isn't going to be that much better than everybody else, no matter what team he's on, to where he's, you know, completely, whatever he adds is bonus. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not going to be the case. But So, of course, he's going to need to, like, develop and, like, get an NBA feel because some of this is, like, he's making, like, some really simple, easy reads. Some of them are some more impressive reads where he's kicking it across cross court and finding an open like reddish in the corner and making that look really nice. But at the same time, it's just it's all like these moments and otherwise it's just simple decisions. Right. It's like he doesn't make mistakes and that's obviously good. But I would like to see him in a position to make a mistake and make sure see if he's still making those same decisions at that. Um, so I would say summer league. Um, that will be something I'm going to be watching for. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think of like what else to say about him. Um, he has a really interesting putt fake, despite the fact that he can't really space the floor. I think it's just he knows how to sell defenders and make them look bad. He's smart. So, he's a smart yeah. player, and he's been around the game, obviously. The pro. And game. when and when people talk about how these like rookies usually don't have a good feel for the game, I think the problem is teams don't usually look for them. Because Trey Jones is just a perfect example of this kind of guy where he has the right feel for the game. He's going to be able to come in and contribute right away. Not in the same type of player mold as Jalen Brunson. He's not that kind of player. He's probably a better player for an NBA level because he's a more pass-first kind of guy. And that allows other players to flourish, whereas Jalen's coming in from this big-time scoring role. So. I, I can appreciate the Jalen Brunson selection, even though it's just not, I don't necessarily flow with it for my philosophy's sake. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah, I think we covered uh, Trey pretty well. <laughs> I mean, we probably need to cut it back a little bit, but it's, it's fine. We did. Nah, you know, nah, he's, nah, nah, nah. he's an important a, player. He's, an he's, important. he's a lottery, he's not a lottery pick, but he could be a lottery pick. 
Um, if he was on. hitting the shots, yeah, he'd be easily a lottery pick in my opinion. Well, yeah, but still, he's the kind of guy that you'd think someone could theoretically fall in love with if they feel the need for a point guard. Moving on to wings, we got R.J. Barrett, you know, coming in. Everyone's like, he's obviously the number one pick. How dare you try to say anyone's better than him? I remember on so many podcasts where people were talking about uh, the, like, the one-off boards that had Zion over Barrett, including some guys on the step-in, and everyone was trashing those boards. I was like, you guys need to stop talking. <laughs> it felt like people were going out of their way to not have Zion number one. Yeah, it really did, but we'll get there. In the meantime, RJ Barrett wowed the world with uh, his performance at the FIBA World Cup like uh, two years ago. Right. And also uh, had some really impressive performances in uh, circuits. Uh, why don't we go in and start about his. I don't want to do something negative, but I just have to say it. he's very much a tunnel vision type of player. Like it reminds you of when Harrison Barnes, not when he comes out, but just in general, when you think of Harrison Barnes on the Mavericks, you think of a guy that struggles to find passes for other players whenever he's looking to score and ends up getting himself in trouble. And that's just the first thing you could think of when you say RJ Barrett, he does all, a lot of those things. It's funny you make that comparison because that's literally when I watch him, I see Harrison Barnes, um, but not as negative because he's I think he's an elite finisher when he get like he can do. He's patient when he gets inside. He knows what he's doing. He, he's in control. He seeks contact uh, and he, he can finish through that contact, which are things that Harrison doesn't do. But yes, as far as not looking for other guys in that situation, he's, he's definitely not. Oh, yeah, he's significantly more crafty. And he seems to know how to throw his body around in his drives. He's constantly barreling the way through the paint. He'll take, like, two dribbles and then just take, like, three really long strides and finish at the rim because he can cover so much ground. Right. Like, he's uh, – that's – if you have to pick an elite skill for him, that's his elite skill is getting inside, getting to the basket or wherever he wants to. Yeah. The weird thing is I think either he thinks he's somebody else or something like that because a whole lot of the time – He's taking these pull-ups that, like, don't seem like they're his shots. If that, like, he's taking a lot of pull-ups all the time. Like, the Mar DeRozan type of pull-up shots are just like, why are you taking these? You don't seem comfortable taking these. Even though the form looks pretty decent, it just doesn't look like something he's used to doing. Like, he feels like he should be just slashing all the time and trying to create penetration inside the lane and then kick it out to, like, Cam Reddish even though he doesn't have the vision to do it often. If he can do it a couple more times, it can really make their offense lethal. Right. Right. That's, again, that, like, if you're going to give him one negative or give him a negative, that's his negative is not knowing that that's what he should be. If when you have the elite, elite ability to get wherever you want on the floor, your goal should be to do that, draw the defense, and hit your teammates who should now be open. The only problem is, even if he can draw the defense, he doesn't know how to hit his teammates. So that kind of makes it a bit more of a problem, even though he has some craft at the rim to at least get out of the, some of those situations. Right. Um, and what was I going to say about... So with the this team, like we said, we got three the, the three top recruits in Cam, Zion, and RJ. I think RJ and we're doing Cam next. Both of them are kind of in a weird position because Zion does so many different things that he's going to be fine no matter what. 
think RJ and Cam get stuck in a situation where they are trying to showcase themselves in this situation where they would have probably been better off not teamed up with each other, in my opinion. Um, I think Cam is in the perfect place. I think RJ is really uncomfortable. And he has the ball most of the time. Yeah. He has like he has he gets the ball. It just doesn't work for him as well as it could if he was in a different place where he could have a bit more of the show to himself while at the same time having some of his deficiencies covered a bit better. Which is why, like, uh, the first time I saw him, you know, the game you mentioned uh, was a FIBA. Um, he was carrying that Canadian team, and it, it, that looked like the role that he's supposed to be in. Yeah, random question. Was Andrew Nemhard in that game? I don't believe he was. I didn't take any notes on him. All right, because he was playing uh, in the FIBA U18 Americas the next year. He's he's risen up as a guy that's like a second-round type of backup point guard, and I think he'd be like a perfect reason of like why that Canada squad worked because he still had a point guard next to him to help him handle the ball sometimes so that way it wouldn't be all on him. I'm going to check while we're continue to talk about, about uh, RJ real quick. <laughs> Um, defensively for RJ, I think the biggest thing is he's just kind of inconsistent. Like sometimes he's just like, I don't feel like contesting. And so he doesn't contest or I don't feel like sprinting all the way off the screen to catch up to my man and then doesn't catch up to his man. Stuff like that's really frustrating. But at the same time, he doesn't really seem to know what he's doing either. But just with the fact that he's like a wing and has like a solid wingspan, he can still cover some ground and stick to stick relatively well to his men on drives, but if he ever tries, if he ever gets shaken up, it's just not going to look good because he's not going to be able to recover and he's not going to really look like he knows what he's doing at all. Right. Um, I think he has the physical tools, but oh, yeah. like that is not consistent with the effort. The effort and like the th- the thinking, like sometimes <laughs> the he's. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm not too worried about discipline, but he definitely lacks it at this point. And by the way, your guy was not on that that team. All right. He's not my guy, but he's just a guy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, another thing is that whenever he has, like, any amount of open lane to the rim, he's not hesitating. He's going straight for it, and he's gonna he's going to dunk on you. And he's going to dunk on your mama, and he's going to make it look highlight-worthy with, like, a windmill or something. And then you're going to regret ever giving that lane to him in the first place. He's uh, Would you say he's just kind of sneaky with that, his explosiveness? I think it's obvious. Sleep. I think he's obvious, but he knows how to make it look like it shouldn't be obvious. Right. Like, I feel like he's very uh, – he picks his spots very well. Yeah, most of the time he'll try to go up soft with layouts just because he's already beating the defense. But he he knows how to make it look hard. Right, like he's not trying to dunk on you every single time. He he just will if he needs to or if the situation presents itself. Otherwise, he's going to go through you and finish with a soft layup off the glass. And super crafty too, like, you know, mixing up double clutch, reverse, all that floaters, runners, which... I'm going to move on to the next thing about floaters and runners. My thing with him, he seems to love taking these runners sometimes, and they just don't work like the touch. 
isn't there for whatever reason. And then the, it can extend to his outside jumper because on a bunch of his outside jumpers, he's he's hitting on target, and the touch just isn't there. That's literally the note I have that he on his jumpers and like you said on the runners, he does not have much touch at all. I'm not sure why, but yeah, like he, it's interesting because like we just said, his layups and finishes through contact, he has great touch, but then his jumpers and whatnot are terrible touch. Well, I think you're talking about an entirely different way of using your hands when you're talking about jumpers and runners compared to layups and stuff like that. True, but also uh, I would wonder how, how that was taught, and I wonder if he maybe didn't get much coaching on his technique uh, as a jump shooter after a certain point and is kind of in a situation where he's doing just continuing the bad habits he had as a, a youth. And there's also speculation that his guide hand influences his jumper. Mm, that could also be true because it's two-handed versus one-handed finishes. Yeah, and so if your guide hand is influencing your jumper, that can really create some variance. I'd be, in- I'd be interested to see him get with a, a shot coach and see if that can, can change. Yeah, but also a certain point when you're talking about touch, a lot of, not a lot of it, but a good amount of it is just kind of can't it's really difficult to be fixed it's almost like quote-unquote natural like, especially was, if you've been playing all your life it's, it's yeah. hard to get, get out of the bad habits that like either you have it or you don't once you get to a certain point it's right but the thing is he has enough physical tools and other things he can fix that i think he can still become a great player my main issue is that if he's not going to have these touch on these perimeter shots, he's going to struggle to play off ball anywhere. He pretty much has to be the number one guy on his team. 100% agree with that as well. Um, and I think he's shooting 30% from three right now, 68% from the free throw line, by the way. Yeah, which is disappointing because the form just looks good. But for, for whatever reason, touch, guide hand, balance, shot selection, it just doesn't work out. Um, right now, he doesn't have to. It doesn't have to <laughs> for him. Uh, but at the next level, if that's something that could hold him back from being as great as he can be, or whenever they play Tennessee or Gonzaga in the Final Four. Oh yeah, Admiral Schofield having a field day with that. Yep, and Grant Williams is grabbing all the awards. Well, oh yeah, we right there in the paint to meet him if he if he manages to get past Admiral. <laughs> Not all to right. mention Eve's Ponds coming in on the weak side. So now we're fantasizing about uh, tournament matchups. <laughs> yeah. So we got two months, a little less than two months. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. All right. Uh, is that all we really need to say about him? I don't. Uh, I pretty think that's pretty much everything, other than like sometimes his reactions are late on defense. It's poor with how he gives up angles and all that positioning problems, but just kind of goes with all the thing about how he doesn't really know what he's doing on defense a lot of the time. Right. Well, Sid say it's time to move on to Cam Reddish, kind of the third wheel in their offense, but is the he's the right third wheel. And I think that role kind of personifies the role you want him to play at the next level. I just want it to be exactly the same, where most of the time he's taking these aggressive threes whenever the defense leaves him because they're afraid of some other guy coming onto the rim. And also he, he can just take advantage of close dries and mix it up a little bit but at the same time you just want him shooting threes and seeing that beautiful jumper <laughs> would you say you, you don't think he sh- can be a t- uh, great two 
our number two guy? Well, I mean, he could be. He could be that. I wouldn't say he is Clay Thompson, but he could be like sort of like that. Okay, I, I can see that. Just just uh, a guy that gets buckets off the the other guy. He running off ten thousand screens, <laughs> setting up in the corner, taking advantage of closeout drives. One thing I can really appreciate, unlike Clay Thompson, he has the playmaking. He 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 really can take advantage of them closeout drives. Like he's like I don't know Chris Middleton's feeling, but he's not yeah. Chris Middleton as a player in the same way. Like Chris Middleton has a different way about him compared to Cam Reddish. So it's still not comparable. Interesting. Interesting. Because, like, Chris Milton plays really slow. Yeah. He, he's patient. Cam Reddish is super aggressive whenever he has the ball. He's taking them shots. But and, uh, of the three, he's the only one shooting a decent percentage. So. Well, yeah, it was already established. He was probably the only capable shooter of the group. I think he's 35% from three, shooting seven a game. Yeah, I think at the NBA level, it would probably be a bit higher because he wouldn't be taking quite so many. Right, and he'll probably have somebody else that can set him up uh, better than uh, the guy who's usually got the ball for Duke in uh, R.J. Barrett. I think if Trey Jones had the ball more, Cam Reddish would be a significantly better piece of their offense. But Cam doesn't get Trey Jones with the ball, so he doesn't get as many easy feeds as he should. Right, but he he also, like you said, does have a beautiful shot. And uh, oh god, he's another guy that's an acrobatic finisher inside as well. Indeed, and as a playmaker, he he can take advantage of those closeout drives, find guys in the lane, find guys on the opposite end of the court. Not like oh my god, spectacular. It's definitely not Luka Doncic. He is not Luka Doncic. <laughs> he's like some kind of weird amalgamation of some things that relate to Luka Doncic, but is not Luka Doncic. <laughs> I just say that because I'm a Mavs fan. Um, the shot, like, when we say beautiful, we're talking about high arc, releases perfect. It's like releases with the elbow right in line with his eyebrows, head leaning back too so he can actually see where he's shooting above the no, defender. No wasted motion at all. Oh, yeah, no wasted motion. Uh, gets the pretty high, uh, if we didn't say it already, gets the high arc, steps into his shot most of the time. But if he's coming off a movement or he needs to get a little space, he can hop and still convert it. And it seems natural and he knows how to do it the proper way. Uh, he has pretty good handles. He can get some create his own space off the dribble to get a yeah. shot off. And at 6'8, you know, uh, that's gonna be hard to defend. Yeah, you can't underrate having a guy off ball that can still mix it up, and that's why I appreciate guys like Otto Porter, but for whatever reason, they seem really underutilized, and so it kind of looks like you never get to see those things, but then it happens, and you're like, oh, yeah, he can do that. (laughs) And that's why I kind of wonder, worry about him on this team as well with being able to showcase what he can do because he is falling into that number three trap. Whereas he probably should have been <clears throat> put himself in a position where he was on a team where he'd be the number two guy, so he could at least show that upside more. Yeah, but I think I think if RJ didn't go there, everything would be perfect for him at Duke. But now it's just he doesn't. He does all the things he's supposed to be that you wanted to see him doing, but right. it's just not the volume you wanted to be. Like you wanted to see him drive more, or instead he's forced to take just seven threes a game, spotting up like Caleb. Exactly. Um, um, to be honest, I think I don't know if I if I still want him to be like a quote unquote 
number two at the NBA level if you want it to be a title team. I think you mean you number could, two guy on a team or yeah, number two guy on a title okay. team. Like he's like I said, he's not Clay Thompson because he isn't Clay Thompson. Chris Middleton, like if you have Chris Middleton as your number two guy, unless that number one guy is just outstanding, it's still going to be a struggle to really get into the finals and actually win. So like ideally, you want him as that third guy, but with guys that are way less selfish than R.J. Barrett for sure. Right. Exactly. I think that's the key, and uh, that's why I'm willing to not necessarily hit him with that tab yet because I feel like I haven't been given the opportunity to experience him in a, a different capacity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying I'm hitting him with that tab. I just think that would be the most ideal way to have him. Right now, yes, I, I can agree with that, that he's easily sliding into that role and having a good, solid career. Like, I think the way they have him right now is kind of like it helps him hold his stock. His stock is not going to rise much. It's not going to fall much. He's in a he's in a he's in a very similar position to Wendell Carter last year, where because Bagley came in, he was reduced to like this high low passing role and these post ups and taking more threes than he probably would have wanted to, but it helped showcase those skills and helped him show his versatility. And while it probably wouldn't let let him rise or rise much, it also wouldn't let him fall just because it's it's more obvious his skill set. I can agree with that as well. Um, like if he was shooting terribly, then it would have been a problem. But he's he's got the shot falling. So as long as that continues, he can show another couple things here and there. And then we haven't talked about it yet, but I think he's a pretty good defender as well. Um, that those things, as long as he's got that, he's not gonna slip out of the top. What five? Would you say? Five or six. Five or six, maybe like first eight at at worst. Um, yeah, no way he falls past eight. I would I'd be shocked. Uh, anything else to add on Cam Reddish? Uh, I guess one thing, sometimes he takes his threes flat-footed, and it's frustrating. Like, he gets his heels up and all that, but, like, he doesn't step in, even though you think he should, and it's kind of obvious and just doesn't do it for whatever reason. Maybe he's too worried about getting a shot off or something. I don't know. But those usually result in misses, and that's bad. <laughs> Fair enough. Anything else of note? No, I'm good on Cam. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say one more specific play that kind of exemplifies another thing about his vision. He's driving on this closeout against Auburn. He has probably two decisions to make. He can either jump off to Bolden in the paint whenever there are two or three defenders in the paint, or you can kick out the Jack White, whose closest defender is at least 15 feet away, 20 feet. Like, yeah, something like that. And he chooses the dump off to Bolden, which is an okay decision. But when you have White in the corner, you should probably hit White. And that's just an example of where I'm kind of questioning some of the things about his playmaking, decision making. But it's still significantly better than a guy like RJ Barrett, where just like you just sometimes doesn't pass at all. Yeah, I would say decision making is easy to is a good thing to question uh, when you look at his. If you want to look at his assist to turnover, if that's something that matters to you. Um, 1.6 assists, 3.1 turnovers a game. Wait, damn, I didn't know that. That's yeah, and I think that like you said, to dump off to a guy who's where there are multiple people in the paint. That's that's how you get turnovers. That is how you get turnovers. Although in this case, it was Marquise because he he had the ball, he power dribbled, and he, he actually got it. it to him. <laughs> he got it to him. But you like, don't give put your big man in that position either. Yeah, so. no, you shouldn't. You should never put Marquise Bold in that position. 
aren't really any big man unless his name is like Wilt Chamberlain or something. <laughs> Anthony Davis, maybe. I don't want Anthony Davis getting injured in oh, with man. three defenders crashing in on his skinny <laughs> self. Oh, all right, we, we're going off on another tangent. Yes, we are. So we're not going to continue. All right, moving on to the second quote-unquote forward. We're going to call Jack White a forward. Number 41 shares the number with the one and only Dirk Nowitzki, but does not play like Dirk Nowitzki yet at all. How are you feeling about Australian Jack White? So Jack, um, he's, I mean, I don't know how much of a, a draft prospect he is at this point, um, but I, I, he, I enjoy him as a hustle player. Um, if he shot a better percentage from three, maybe he would be that guy. But, I mean, he plays hard. I think he's a glue guy, uh, the type of guy you want on a team. Um, he has very quick release. He rebounds out of his area. Area. He's diving on the floor, jumping passing lanes. Um, uh, he's a fun guy to watch. I'll say that. He looks like a young Brian Cardinal out there. <laughs> I, I said glue guy, so. No, he's literally, like, personified. Shoots threes. All right, is has a pretty decent jump perform, shoots a high, steps into his shot, but isn't particularly mobile with his hops or anything, so it's kind of limited. Uh, tries hard on defense, which can sometimes expose him. Not particularly mobile on defense, so very easy to beat on the ball. Um, often looking for steals in the passing range, which I would say is not a thing Brian Cardinal did, so that's an upgrade. Um, but at the same time, in the paint, he uses his verticality where he can, and he helps on the weak side where he can. But if he's not getting the block with his arms, good luck trying to jump and block it with him. Um, you don't really want him dribbling the ball much because it's just it's even though he can like he can hold the ball together and all that, it's just not fast enough. Right. Um, he he just with the fact that he can shoot now, he didn't shoot before this year. Like he made like three threes in his entire career. I do see that. He's shooting four a game now. He's shooting uh, about 32%, 33%. Yeah, it's not like it's nothing incredible, but just the fact that he even can do it at all, he's doing that for nothing is a good sign. Right. He can probably be a player in the EuroLeague for a long time. I can agree with that because they're more likely to, to see the importance of a role player like that. I, I could see him taking a role on similar to, like, I don't know, James Nunnally. Okay. I, that's just based on what I would think of, like, a guy that's not particularly athletic but shoots threes and tries hard. Hustles, right. Yeah. I don't think there's much else to say about him, really. Uh, he does his best, so. I don't know. If he plays in the NBA, it's going to be because he got signed to be, like, the 10th man, the 11th man, and he'll play, like, 5 to 10 minutes a game. A good but, scout team player to keep your energy up in practice. I think he'd be the perfect guy that to get on some, like, rookie's, like – but about something just like get on his ass because yeah. like he's trying hard <laughs> and like this rookie is like being lazy yeah i think i think he significantly ups how useful rj barrett can be in a practice <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure he's he's important to that team also. oh yeah he's the team captain um, he's, he's 18 captain right so you need guys like that in your locker room on your team uh somewhere um, not sure if it'll be in the NBA, but he, he'll play basketball somewhere for a long time. He could be a very if and if he's not in the Euro League, he could easily go to somewhere like Australia and go there for like his entire career and play twenty years because he already is from Australia and all that. Very true. 
Moving on to the one and only. Anyway, um, the six foot seven or six foot six or six foot eight. Six foot three. Named after, not six foot three. Stop it. (laughs) Named named after a mountain in the Bible. His name Zion Williamson, who nobody thought was the number one pick in the draft, except for some people on the Stepien and some other random boards, and everyone was hating on him, saying he's only a dunker. And now it's so obvious that he's not. Shout out to Mike Ribbonoff for being on him first, the earliest, and being on him the hardest. You the you the OG with that one. But uh, Bibbs. So apparently it's Zion. Um, no, it's Zion, but the, he says he's fine with he, it either he said way. He, like, he said he likes Zion because it sounds cool and highlights. Yeah, um, it I don't. I can't blame him. Uh, you want me to start here? Oh yeah. I, mean, I want to hear your take. What can you or can you not say about Zion? Zion, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Williamson, um, Charles Barkley with more body. Um, I mean, he's a freak athlete. That's obvious. He's huge. That's obvious. Um, I think what's the most surprising and or scary thing about him at the next level is he kind of reminds me, and I might be dating myself here, like a Barry Sanders LT type fluidity with his feet like his footwork is so amazing his his jump cuts like if you give him any shot at getting past you he's gonna find a spot and despite his side he's slicing through you know you what looks like he has contained and all of a sudden he's done a hop step and he's by you um, oh god that hop step is lethal right like he's his cut like if he was a running back like he i mean that that's what it reminds me of like i can't compare it to anything i've seen on a basketball court it's it's that level of ridiculousness. Um, yeah, I think you could describe it as Charles Barkley if he came up in this era. Yeah, I, I think that Charles Barkley is the only comparison that I keep going back to was this guy that doesn't look like he should be doing the things that he does. Um, yeah, unless Sean Kemp was unless Sean Kemp was doing those sorts of things, but I don't know. I'm less experienced with Sean. Um, yeah, the Rain but, Man though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But man, he's 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 something. He's special. Um, now, when I watch him, I, I personally, because he's everybody's so high on, I want to look for the flaws. Um, so the flaws that I found, his jumper is very ugly to me. Oh yeah, so ugly. <laughs> um, I think he last time I checked, it was sixteen percent. He's up to twenty six percent from three right now. That doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Um, his free throw percentage is around 70%. That's fine. Uh, cause he's going to get fouled a lot. Um, one thing I, my, the biggest thing I take away as far as maybe a potential flaw or a weakness is his ball handling. Um, and his, sometimes he's, he plays out of control, um, like a bull in a China shop. Uh, I think guys are going to have a good, for the, at least the first half of his rookie year, a good chance of being able to draw charges against him. Because uh, he has, like, he likes to do one spin move to get back to his left hand, the right strong right bounce spin spin move over his right shoulder. Um, and if you're you're paying attention to that, you can probably anticipate and get that charge. Um, and then again, like I said, sometimes the bull in the china shop factor comes in. Um, he's loose with the ball sometimes when he's going on these drives. Um, but other than that, I mean, he has good vision, uh, he's quick, he moves his feet pretty well on D, amazing timing for rebounds and blocks, 
uh, there's no way you can pass on him if you get the number one pick. Yeah, it's like I would like there were people, Aaron Smith at NBA Draft on Net, who was stupid, not stupid, but not <laughs> not thinking. He is some level of ignorant because you just can't put John Morant over Zion Williamson. <laughs> you can't. Not you, if you want to have respect after the draft. Like it's like this is like it's the same thing. What this is how I was with Luca. I was saying you can't put anyone above Luca, and everybody did, and now everyone's paying the price, and it's glorious. But with that being said, Zion Williamson, yeah, his handle is really loose. I saw probably four or five times where he just kind of was dribbling around the perimeter, and it hit off like his foot, or like he just lost control of his dribble, and it'd be like it gets stolen. And it's just, it's really bad. That's like probably the worst facet of his game that you yeah. wouldn't automatically assume is already bad. Because you I assume. He I was going to say, I would say he doesn't have good hands in general, but continue. Um, I say you can catch fine. Like you can. Off the bounce, up. like bounce passes and stuff, I see a lot of balls hit off his hands. Well, I think that's just because he's moving so fast that like he just can't. <laughs> Fair like, enough. I think. Also, you have these. You only like unless it's from Trey Jones. The the pass might be kind of questionable. That that could also be a factor. Guys are just kind of putting it in the area. Like if JJ Barea is tossing up to Zion Williamson, it is over. More things about Zion Williamson. You know how Shaq has like the what's his what's his what does he call his drop step like the black tornado or something? Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, what he yeah. calls it, but yeah. he has it. He has that. He has the same exact move. Same yeah. as that drop step. Now, obviously, he's not seven foot, three hundred pounds. He might as well be when he's going up for a dunk. Yeah, <laughs> his, his drop step is also lethal. Anytime he's in the post, he has that. He has that move, and he can. He has pretty much everybody in his pocket. It almost doesn't even matter. Like even guys like Austin Wiley, you know, these six ten, two fifty guys, yeah. trained big men, should know how to defend the post at the college level. No chance. You see the stat, uh, or I guess I don't know if you call it a stat, but the the only person that weighs more than him in the NBA currently is Boban. Uh, I think I did see that. Sounds about right, too. It's crazy. So oh. it's not like, oh, he's doing this against kids, which is what they said last year when he was dunking on Catholic school kids. Uh, he's still doing it at this level, and I don't know who's going to necessarily get in his way at the next level. I can see him getting fouled a lot. That's about it. I could see him fouling a lot. That too. That'll happen. Um, I just, I guess my biggest thing with his pre-college career that I'm wondering is how in the heck did he not end up on a FIBA team? Just because he was playing at some little private school, probably. He had too much hype. So what? He didn't have hype till like the end of his tenure, and they probably, I don't know who does like the scouting and stuff for that, but they probably just saw him as a dunker as well. Okay, that still makes him better than like some <laughs> other players you have on that FIBA roster. I, I don't know how that stuff works. I hate you. Could have just played him at center. You literally just could have played him at center. I hate youth hoops. Well, I mean, I don't like AAU. I think FIBA is a better. I think FIBA's good. I, I don't watch enough FIBA, probably. I support FIBA and their concept, even though it's frustrating because the U.S. only sends like three or four top recruits and the best are a bunch of random dudes sometimes. That, that's, yeah, that's pretty much I mean, uh, some of the other places are getting like that too, but yeah, the U.S. doesn't tend to get their best guys all the time. 
And I don't know if that's intentional or guys turning them down. Well, they have Bill Self as their coach. So on the youth teams, like Bill Self, Mike Krzyzewski as the national coach, I think they could probably get whoever they wanted if they wanted to. That makes sense to me. But hey, what do I know? Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of the handle, whenever he does have it together, he can humiliate some people. He, like it's not like he's like breaking ankles and all this, but just because he can cover so much ground, it looks like he's making sending people the wrong way. But in reality, he's just taking this giant step. He's so quick. Oh God, it's an it's crazy how quick he is. And on top of that, if he ever ever gains a ten foot pull up jumper, it's over. Right. Like the only reason you have a shot against him right now is because he can't really shoot. Um, he can't shoot in any department at all. But uh, if he ever develops that, which he probably will. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's probably, uh, I mean, it, the sky's the limit. Keno, you know, I want to, I wanna, speaking of shooting, I want to talk about it. Um, he misses left a lot. Yeah. Just from what I could tell. And his elbow is constantly flaring left. I was going to say he kind of flings his arm that direction. I don't know if it's his, he's very beefy up top and not toned. Yet, so I don't know if maybe once he gets some more, uh, I guess, I don't know, strength condition, strength coach work. Uh, I don't know how that works exactly, but somebody that can help him fix his body to where it needs to be, where his arms need to be uh, for him to have a more fluid stroke. Yeah, for sure. And then on his free throws, it just looks like a push shot. Yeah. Like, it's... Which, you know, is fine. His arms like, look heavy. <laughs> well, I think every part of him looks heavy. And then he's still dunking on every <laughs> single he, one of these hoes. He doesn't, he doesn't have problems lifting his entire body. But his, his arms, he seems to have trouble lifting sometimes. I don't think it's a problem of lifting as much as he's never been trained to shoot a jumper. Uh, he's probably never had to. That's true. Here's, yeah. here's a question about Zion. Who, who guards him at the next level? Um, Anthony Davis, maybe. He's blown by him on the perimeter next. Oh, he's not. He's quick enough. He can cover ground. You think Anthony Davis is keeping up with Zion? I and, think he can. And able to contest him at the rim. All he has to do... By him. Yes, he's one of he's a premier rim protector in the league. Zion is going to go on the opposite side of the rim on him. It's over. All he has... All, here's the thing. Until Zion gets that shot, AD can sag off. Okay, True. So, so somebody with a, a seven foot something plus seven foot five wingspan. wingspan. Seven also, right. if Jaron Jackson ever gains weight, <laughs> yes, he can do it. He he can do it. He's too right. his, his instincts are too good. He knows what to be doing. Not saying he's gonna hold him to to below twenty five, but he's gonna make him work hard for that twenty five. What about Giannis? Giannis guarding him. Giannis doesn't guard him because he's too busy. Running around the floor on offense. All right. Although Kawhi. he could if he wanted to. Can Kawhi guard him? Kawhi can guard him, but there's going to be a lot of fouls. Oh, by Kawhi? But yeah, because he's going to try to get handsy. Yeah, he's got to get handsy. That's his only option. <laughs> he's, very, he's very good at it, but there's going to be games where he's going to foul out guarding Zion because he's known for being handsy. He's just very good at it. I mean, he's got like the hands the size of two men, so. His hands and like his hands are comparable to Giannis's hands. So like his, with, with the size of his hands and Zion's lack of elite handles, I can see that being 
potentially a thing for a little while. But it's like there's not a lot of guys that can guard him. Like he's he's bigger or quicker than almost everybody. I think Marcus Smart not because he's good enough, but because he's crazy enough. I was gonna say he might piss him off enough. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus Smart is like the catch-all to everything. It's crazy. Like he's the one guy that can get away with anything he wants as a defender because he can guard people six nine. No joke. Like it's not yeah. even a problem. He's strong. You could put him against Anthony Davis in the post and actually stand a chance. Like a theoretical chance. Like a ten percent. Like it's possible. You don't see that with almost anyone else six foot four, you know? Yeah. He's a, he's a hound dog. That's why he got uh, retained. Yeah, he's in the perfect role, just on a team that isn't fully functioning. Yeah, they they got too many of the same things. They gotta mix it up. They gotta figure out the differences in their team. But again, we're back on that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No more. No more. No mas. Back to Zion Williamson. <laughs> uh, you you just gotta keep going. There's more to say. At the rim, he's surprisingly crafty. Yeah, like he's mixing it up with these reverses, double clutch. He's really because because he's so beefy with his arms. Those double clutches are ultra effective. Contact doesn't exist for him at the rim. No, yeah, I haven't seen him react to contact with anyone ever. Yeah, it, like there's this one clip where he got slapped right in his offhand elbow on a dunk with his <laughs> offhand dunking. No effect. No effect. And one. It was in the Virginia game a couple days ago. <laughs> oh, here we go. Another weakness. I think he has great vision with his passing, but he doesn't always execute the pass. Yeah, definitely decision-making. Uh, like, he can see it, and he'll throw it, but it won't go how it should go, if that makes sense. Oh, um, yeah. Like, he'll throw a bounce pass that, like, bounces twice before he gets to the guy. I haven't seen I haven't seen it that bad, but yeah, there was one like he got a steal and like tried to throw it up ahead on a fast break, and the guy was by himself, so he still got the ball and got a layup. But it was like you could have thrown that pass better. Yeah, there's definitely a whole lot of there's some things where it's not quite as good as you want it to be. But at the end of the day, how much mean things can you say about a guy who's just this perfect? Like, I was gonna say you have to find flaws just so you you gotta find you have to find clues a, to make an excuse for saying something mean being. about him. Yeah, like, <laughs> otherwise he's just, uh... So, going back to, to we're just going to keep saying, going back to Zion today. <laughs> um, Another thing about Zion, I think, his defensive effort, even if it isn't always, he doesn't always make the right play, he tries harder than anybody whenever he's in the mood. Yeah. But obviously, he's not always in the mood for whatever reason, and that can be a little annoying. But at the same time, when he's carrying the, the amount of load he's carrying, you can't really be too mad about it. No. I think uh, he's best as a roamer off the ball. Yeah. Um, have you seen him guard on the ball much in the post? Not in the post, but I would imagine he'd be able to do it. Physically, uh, yeah, yeah, I would expect so as well. I'm just curious if he can guard four men in the NBA. I would bet on it. I would be willing to bet on it. Just with like, his explosiveness and his size? Yeah, and his effort. Like, put him on Tobias Harris. It's probably going to work out all right. Gotcha. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, 
his weak side shot blocking is remarkable. Although sometimes it looks like he's chasing. Definitely. But the the explosive athleticism is just makes everything easy for him because he actually tries, which is something you can't say about a lot of guys with his sort of gifts. Very true. Like it just everything goes back to he tries. He tries, and since he's so big and so athletic, he can do whatever he wants. You are never going to question his effort. Well, you can, actually. There's times I mean, where his he... effort on as far as, like, he's not going to disappear from the game. He's not. Oh, yeah. You're not going to go some time without realizing. You're never going to question his presence. <laughs> he's on the court. He's You're always going to be like, oh, damn it, it's Zion. Like, there are plays where, I don't know, Duke's out of control and a ball's bouncing free. All of a sudden, Zion comes out of nowhere, picks it up, and dunks on two people or something. Yeah, you can. If if Zion has a ball in his hands, you either take the L or you crash hard and pray he misses. He's very anticipatory, which can be a bad thing at times on D. Yeah, sometimes he's over overly aggressive. He's going too hard for a steal in the passing lane, and then he gives up a wide open lane to Jared Cover, where he takes it and gets an and one. Very Stuff like that. Watching. Yeah, very much trying to see what's happening without taking care of his own assignment sometimes. And, you know, when you're that athletic, a lot of times you can get away with stuff like that. But at the next level, that is going to be a place where coaches maybe are going to be harder on him, depending on where he goes, and then where uh, opposing teams are going to take advantage of. Uh, yeah. That. I'd be really curious to see how often he gets played as a small ball five. I'm sure it'll happen. Because – he has a lot of the things that's required of a quote unquote small ball five weak shot, weak side shot blocking, explosiveness, size, uh, ability to grab and go and transition. Speaking of grab and go, we're just going to go on a tangent for two minutes. The fact of the matter is, the biggest value of him as a defender outside of just creating havoc is getting these rebounds and springing up court with the ball and making a decision that he can actually know how to make. Not at an elite level yet, but he can sort of make a decision. And if he doesn't need to make a decision, he's not being stopped at the rim <laughs> downhill. There's like, nothing. Or, no, or nobody gets in his way, and then he's just dunking. Or somebody tries to get in his way, and either a charge happens or they get dunked over. Or he'll just hop around you. Like, or, yeah, he'll take the big-ass hop step, and then it's game over. He'll hop 10 feet to the left and then hop 10 feet to the rim. <laughs> Slide to the left. Anyway. He'll jump over. I can see him hopping over somebody eventually. Like, it's going to happen. I think he would have to try really hard. <laughs> like somebody that. trying somebody trying to take a charge and like leaning back early. Yeah. Over him. Yeah, he could you could probably do that for sure, especially if it's like a, a six foot four type of guy. But I don't know if he could do if it's solemn measure standing there, I don't think he could do oh, it. That's not gonna happen. We're not we're not gonna Vince Carter with that. But but anyway, time to move on to the big man. We're gonna go as quick as we can because these guys are meh. Javin Delorier. <laughs> Number 12, out of Duke University, of course. Uh, Co-team captain. Another quote-unquote hustle guy. Uses his verticality really well. Um, isn't particularly athletic, but is, I would say he's pretty mobile, which is something you can really appreciate. He's been switched out on the wings and been able to hold his own a couple times on the ball, although sometimes he just gets beat and then kind of gives up because he doesn't think he has a chance, maybe because he's always been like the underdog he before this year he wasn't really getting minutes at all. Yeah. Vince, how you feeling? Um, like you said, energy, energy guy, um, smart. 
uh, plays hard, and that's really all I had to say about him. Yeah, uh, I mean, we like that's. It's too much going think, on with that for him to really do anything. <laughs> like that's pretty much all he does. Like for being honest, just hustle guy. Doesn't look lost in the court. Does some pretty decent drop coverage at times. Knows how to use his length. Tries hard on the boards a good some amount of the time. So that's pretty much all to say. Uh, Mr. Hype Man on the not Hype Man in terms of like on the bench, but like he was supposed to be great and has been a kind of a disappointment. Mr. Marquise Bolden, Marquise, Marquise, Marquise. We don't know. People pronounce it Marcus for some reason. So. Oh, I heard someone say Marquise Bolden on the broadcast, and it shook me. I was like, "What the <laughs> heck?" Marcus makes sense though. Yeah, Marcus or Marquez is the two I'd stick with. Or Marks. He's he's American. If he was French, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how you feeling about number eleven, twenty sixteen RSCI RC, RSCI Marquez Mark Marcus Bolden. M Bolden. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's he moves very well for a big. Uh, I think he sets good screens. I think he's got a pretty good awareness on defense as well. Uh, he has some touch on the inside. And apparently, he worked on his game a lot over the summer uh, and did improve. Uh, he does seem engaged all the time. Uh, he gets big on defense, uses his size. Uh, he's 6'11", 245. Um, he can get up a little bit in space if you throw him some lobs. Uh, he doesn't look lost when he gets switched onto the perimeter. Um He's just, I mean, because of the role he's in, you know, I can't really give him too much praise for how decently he's looked this year, but uh, he doesn't look like a, a big that's going to be lost. Like, he looks like he could be a rotational big in the NBA to me. Eh. My biggest question with him is foot speed because he can react all right on defense, but he struggles to cover ground. Uh, rotating to the rim so unless he's already there he's gonna have a hard time blocking shots and even though he gets high volumes of blocks most of the time it's because he already came over and he just has an easy block at the rim or someone will sandwich him into another into with another a defender and he has an easy block again so he's just taking advantage of easy opportunities but right. he definitely fights for those easy opportunities he's using his 240 pounds or whatever on the on the glass fighting for crashing the boards and dunking putbacks but he doesn't have that like no knowledge of like verticality and stuff the same way like a Deloria has or that mobility which I can really appreciate but you can't deny the aggressiveness even if sometimes it really hurts him yeah um and it, it, again it goes back to this this team having so much that he doesn't really get to in my opinion showcase and or do the things that you want to see from him consistently yeah i'd be interested to see what type of how he would look if he was on a team like auburn and he was swapped out like he would they don't need any more big men but they were playing Auburn's like i wonder how he would look if he was in austin wiley's sort of role right because i don't know if he could feel it but i'd love to see how it would work exactly that's and i, I guess one of those things that's not his fault you know, to a certain extent, but then it, obviously he, he hasn't been able to outplay certain guys, but um, he's just been on a team in Duke that has had guys that are better than him 
that are in getting the paint touches that you would want to see him get. Yeah. Uh, to prove that he's an NBA guy. I want him to be more. The most important thing is that sometimes I've seen his hands have problems where he just can't catch in traffic, and that's going to be an issue. Like, I saw that I a couple times. Um, yeah, like, he lost his starting spot to Delorier. He had it, and he lost it. Which is I, embarrassing because you think after sitting and waiting behind guys that you would be so hungry for it that you wouldn't allow that to happen. Although, at the same time, you could say Delorier is a team captain. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't care if I'm supposed to be an NBA type guy. I'm not letting some. If I'm ranked number eleven in the speaker. 2016 RSCI, right? I'm not letting some uh, guy who's an inspirational speaker take my spot. Yeah, I will say that I've always thought RSCI was an overrated concept, though. So I do, I do find it interesting when I check it out. I'm not uh, saying it's not interesting. No, I don't like it. I just think it's yeah. interesting. It is interesting because some of the names are wild, like Jalen Smith, 16. I like Jalen Smith. He's actually kind of lived up to it, but it still sounded crazy to start the year. <laughs> but uh, I think that's all the, all the Duke guys. Blue Devils, still number one in the nation, just beat their biggest nemesis in their own conference, Virginia. So all things are on the up and up for them. It's going to be interesting to see how they do in the tournament. Hopefully they don't choke like Michigan State because we all want to see them in the Final Four in the finals. I don't think we're going to worry about them choking to that degree unless they get a really bad matchup early. They could. They could get They could get a Gonzaga. You think, I don't think they'll get them early. Well, I know, but if they lose to Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, it's going to look bad. Yeah, I would say so. You got... Or if they lose to Tennessee, it's going to look bad. I don't know. Tennessee is, I think, a different beast. I, I love that, guy, that team. I love Tennessee, too, but this, the, to an outsider. I got you. Um, so yeah, that's all, all things Duke in the NBA draft. Uh, you can find Bibbins, Mike Bibbins work on Twitter and on his website, bibscorner.com. We already went over the ads, but I'll say it again, at a bibs at bibs corner. Uh, you can find my work on lock draft soon, hopefully. And eventually there's going to be this G league piece. I'm writing on the Dallas prospect.com. Um, Twitter at Rangers King six six nine. You can find Richard, who is not present for us tonight today, unfortunately. You can find him on Twitter at MazDraft and at MazDraft.com. Uh, and that's it, y'all. Hope y'all enjoyed this episode. And please share if y'all can. We would all really appreciate it. We have some new developments coming to our podcast soon, so we hope y'all like him whenever we finally get there. Have a nice evening. Bye. Peace.